When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Buffs Insider for a new week. It's uh, now the end of week number two of uh, Fall Camp, along with Neil Welk. See you Buffs.com. I'm Voice of the Buffs, Mark Johnson. Tomorrow, it's a public scrimmage out at Folsom Field. 9-15 practice gets underway about 10-30 or so is when a scrimmage begins. Mike McIntyre said that entire event, half practice, half scrimmage, will go through some game situations. Uh, we'll talk more about that here in a couple of minutes. So, uh, Neil, we're sitting here, what, week and a half, almost two weeks into camp. Is that all? That, that, that's all. You and I have stood there for every moment and watched every snap. Uh, what strikes you at this point? The competition at, at so many positions, Mark, I think if anything strikes me is, is it's competition at a lot of places, a lot of good young players pushing some of the older guys, some of the guys that are veterans, uh, you know, are feeling the heat from some of the young guys. And, and the thing I really like about it, Mark, is it's, it's talented kids that are pushing for it, as Mike McIntyre said the other day. They're not throwing freshmen into the fire because they don't have anybody else. If a young guy earns a spot, it's because he earned it and, and is good. And so I love the competition at a lot of those places. That depth you're talking about, uh, and it's something that, you know, we're always analyzing a little bit from one degree or another. I don't think maybe the average fan understands how deeply that affects everything. Not only does it, that old concept of, you know, high tides races all boats, but what that does for special teams when you've got that kind of depth. Yeah, you and I were talking about that this morning. We're watching special teams. They can put starters out on special teams now. There was a time when uh, Mike McIntyre was afraid to put starters on special teams because they didn't have any backups. They didn't have enough depth. If a guy got hurt on special teams, they didn't have any depth you know, for a defensive lineman or a linebacker, whatever position it was. They now have that depth. They can afford to put starters out there. Uh, you certainly don't ever want anybody to get injured, but if a guy does get hurt, there's some backup there. There are guys that can play, and so what that does, it makes your special teams a lot better because you've got the best athletes on the field that are out there playing. This is, uh, you know, I, I think some great stories as you kind of look at camp throughout top to bottom with this team, interesting guys. There is no story developing that to me is more intriguing, I think, just from the overcoming aspect than Jalen Jackson. I tell you what, it's been so much fun to watch him. This is a kid who missed almost his entire junior year in high, high school because of a knee injury, missed his entire senior year in high school because of a knee injury, then finally gets into camp healthy a year ago, breaks his ankle early in camp, misses the entire year in spring ball again, rehabbing that, 
and now he's finally back out on the field practicing. And not only is he practicing, he's making plays. I mean, he's making big-time plays, catching touchdowns, going up in the air and catching balls, showing some great speed. And all the work that he put in in the offseason is showing up. And uh, Jalen Jackson is going to make some plays for this team. Well, when you consider the crowded receiver room, that there is. I mean, that's, that's really saying something because of the high level of LaVisca Chenault, the Jawan Winfrey, and Katie Nixon, and Jay McIntyre, and I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to understand where exactly he's going to find snaps with that group. Well, that's, you know, the thing is they play three on every down just about, and a lot of times they're running four wide receiver sets. And, and the good thing is, is you're not going to have to run that same guy on 10 fly routes every game. You can get you can get fresh guys in there, and, and every offensive coordinator will tell you they love running defensive backs to death. They'll put in fresh wide receivers just to run that DB down the field, and then all of a sudden they'll put in a new guy, and he'll take that DB down the field again, and they're not switching DBs every play. And so, you know, that in itself, just having that kind of depth, you can take a toll on a, on a defense without ever throwing the ball to them. You know, the one thing I don't think we've really talked about here in the podcast uh, since we've got it back going now that camp is underway is, is the redshirt rule and how that's going to affect college football this year. This time of year, you and I would be weeding guys out mentally that we wouldn't have to worry about because they're going to redshirt. With this new rule in which they could play four games and still redshirt, those guys are going to get snapped at some point or another, and they can't be ignored in their redshirt season because they are going to see some game action. It's going to change a whole lot, and it's really going to be interesting to see how coaches experiment with that. I know that you know some coaches are going to want to play it safe, save a guy in case they have an injury. Uh, there's going to be a tendency, you know, if, if there's a, if you're in a in a route, if you get up by 25, 30 points, uh, to get a lot of the young guys in, get them some experience. Uh, you, you may want to save them because yes, if you have an injury down the stretch of the season, you can you can play them. But what it also does is, uh, and I've talked to a couple different coaches about this, it increases the attentiveness and it increases the incentive for those young guys to pay attention and practice and work just a little bit harder because they know they have a chance to play even if they are, quote, going to redshirt. The one thing that I think struck us about this time, two weeks and a year ago, coming off that fantastic 2016 season, uh, Pac-12 South title and uh, 10-win team and bowl game and all that, that went along with that, we didn't see... And I think you and I started to see it about this point, maybe that same togetherness, intensity, uh, however you want to define it. I think I see, and you tell me what you're seeing, I think I see more of 2016 in the demeanor of this team than I saw in 2017. Your thoughts? Oh, I think so. I think you see a lot of that 2016 out here, team out here because I think what you're seeing is, is that 17 is fresh in their memory. They remember what it was like to miss plays, lose at some close games and all of a sudden be out of bowl contention, have to go down to that last game to try and even get into a bowl. And I think they remember that. And, and this is, a, you know, there, there are enough seniors and upperclassmen on this team that they don't want to regress. Last year was a step back. There's no doubt about it. But they know that they can, if they can turn it around this year, get back to a winning record, go to a bowl game, the program's in good shape. And there are enough seniors on this team and enough juniors that they want to go in the right direction uh, and, and you're right. I think there's a lot more togetherness. I think you saw it. They elected seven team captains. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a team that there's, there's more of a hunger out here this year than the year before. Yeah, and I think part of what we're talking about is that idea of keeping each other accountable. There was a play today with an unnamed receiver where he caught the ball and didn't turn and sprint downfield. And even a younger like, guy like Katie Nixon got on him when he came by and said, hey, that's not the way we do things around here. Once that permeates from top to bottom, I guess that, that's kind of that intangible we're talking about. Exactly. And, 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 and I saw that same play and it was just, hey, we don't do that here. 
That's not how it works. You, you play the play till the very end. You take that thing downfield and act like you're going to score. And, and that's the kind of thing that that young guy is not going to forget. He is not going to forget that. I guarantee you the next time he catches a ball, he's going to go all the way to the end zone. And those are the little things that make a difference when it's 27-27 in the fourth quarter and you need to make a play. Those are the things that make a difference. You had a, a little blurb and kind of your practice recap yesterday on cubuffs.com. We're talking about the good and bad of, of this and that and good plays and bad plays. It, and you pointed out, and this isn't picking on anybody, Steven Montez had a couple of fantastic throws, long touchdown to LaVisca Chenault, uh, another one to Jalen Jackson, who we've already talked about. Then he had a couple of picks. Um, part of the learning process with him, and he is unquestionably the starter for this team. Do you think, though, maybe there that that second-string quarterback of Sam Neuer is not as far behind as maybe people think? No, I think there's a lot of competition there. I think, you know, and you got to get Tyler Lytle in that mix, too, because they're getting him some snaps there. And it's, it's twofold. One, number one, you want to make sure that you're getting your backup quarterback snaps with the number ones in case there is an injury. But number two, you want to make it clear that there's some competition there. And, and, and you're right, Steven is, is clearly the starter here. I don't know what it would take for him not to be the guy when they walk out on the field August 31 against Colorado State. But you know, at, at a time like yesterday, Steven threw a beautiful ball, but then he had a couple picks. You know, they brought in a couple other guys, gave them some chances with the number ones. When Steven finally came back out on the field, he completed eight straight. And that's, you know, and, and I think the message was sent, hey, we can't afford to have those kind of interceptions. We can't afford to have those kind of plays. And certainly Steven took it to heart. And, and we've talked about this before. Steven Montez is a gunslinger. Steven Montez is going to make some mistakes. You know, the, the, the flip side of that is, is Steven Montez is going to drop that 50-yard ball in a bucket right into LaVisca Chenault's hands or Jawan Winfrey's hands or Katie Nixon or KB Onanto and make some big plays. And so you've got to reduce, reduce the, the margin of error on those mistakes while not, you know, taking away his ability to make the big play. Well, and the thing you got to remember, too, and I'll never forget, it was a few years ago when Seth Alufa was here and he had all those NFL guys in the back end of that defense and Cepho, as good as he was, was going against top-level secondary guys, and they'd goad him and bait him oh. into plays every once in a while. And so one of the interceptions you're talking about, you've got a very good upperclassman in Nick Fisher that baited him into that. So there's got to be – certainly Stephen can't do that, but you got to give some credit to the other side. Oh, yeah, and you brought up Cepho, and you and I used to sit here and chuckle and practice. You know, a couple of years ago we'd sit there, and Cheeto Bayouzie was the master of baiting Cepho. He would, he would lay off a receiver, lay off a receiver, wait, 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 wait. Cepho would see it, think the guy was open, and boom. Cheeto knew where the ball was going. And he, I mean, I remember one practice, I think, Cheeto picked him off three times. And Cepho was just irate, didn't know what to say, and, and Cheeto was laughing about it. But And that's what, you, that's what you're talking about here. Nick Fisher knew where that ball was going, read the play, waited a little bit, Looked, it looked like the receiver was open, and as soon as Stephen cocked his arm, you know, Nick broke on it. So those are the mistakes Stephen can't make, but it's also, you know, a great sign that Nick Fisher – being a veteran safety made a great play on the ball. By the way, I hope you had a chance uh, to check out the preseason NFL game between Dallas and San Francisco last night. You saw Cheetah Bay-Wuzier and Akella Witherspoon. It's fun to see those buffs because they're becoming two of the better corners in the National Football League. Back to Stephen for a second. Um, I think you and I objectively as we watch this, we both watched him, and, and although he made a couple of mistakes yesterday, 
I think we're seeing a better Steven Montez. I'm not going to predict that he's all of a sudden there, that he's going to click and he's going to explode and become one of the top quarterbacks in America. He's got the physical tools, but but I think I'm seeing maturation. Are you seeing maturation? Oh, I think you definitely are, and I think that's you know a big part of that is a result of working with Kurt Roper in the offseason. Uh, Kurt he uh, Kurt and Steven watched a lot of film together. Steven watched a lot of film by himself, and I, and I know that I was talking with Kurt one day, and he said, I get calls at 9 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night from Steven Montez saying, hey, coach, I'm watching film on this. What's the defense doing here? How does this work? How should we approach this? And so, you know, Steven put in a lot of work this summer. And if you're watching him in practice, he's going through his progressions, going through his reads much better. He's not locking on to one guy. He's looking around the field. He's checking down. Go back to the first guy if he if he comes open again. So that's one number one. Number two, he's a lot more comfortable in the pocket. He's, he's feeling that pressure behind him. He knows where it is, and he knows that it's, he's got somebody at his back. So I think Steven's taking a huge you know step forward in camp. Everybody's going to have a bad day. And, and heck, yesterday, if you want to call it a bad day, he also threw a couple of beautiful touchdown passes. So you know there's a, there's a lot, a lot of ceiling for Steven Montez to hit yet, and I think we're going to see him get a lot closer this year. One of the more intriguing, intriguing battles that you're referencing in terms of where the competition still lies out there, I think is in that corner opposite Trey Udofia right now. That that thing seems to be wide open with about three guys that are competing for it. Yeah, you know, Trey Udofia is playing well. Chris Miller, who's listed number one at the other corner, is playing well. But a guy that just keeps sneaking in there and making plays is Delrick Abrams Jr. He's a long, lean, built like a Kello Weatherspoon, 6'3", got, got you know an arm reach that goes forever, breaks to the ball real well, and he does what they like. He high points the ball. At the end of the play, he gets up and makes the play. And so there's a guy that I you know we know is going to see some time this year, whether he's a starter or not remains to be seen. But those three right there are playing well. Ronnie Blackman is also in that mix. And, hey, Dante Wigley was a starter four or five games last year, and he's playing well too. So they're, they've got corners who can play when they drop into their nickel. They'll play two, three, two or three of those guys. So I, there, there's no lack of talent at that position, maybe a lack of experience to a degree, but uh, certainly there's some talent there, and I think they feel good about them. All right, once again on Saturday, tomorrow at uh, 9.30, practice gets it away. About 10, 15, 10, 30, they'll get the scrimmage going. Uh, by the way, there's going to be a few guys, they're not naming them right now, that have been dinged a little bit, so they'll most likely give them the day off. So there might be some veterans when you get out there that you're not seeing and wondering out why that might be by. Nothing serious, just some, some little dinged-up situations. What are you hoping to see at that scrimmage tomorrow? I want to see the young guys. I want to see what some of the young guys can do. And we, and we just talked about, you know, some of the newcomers. Uh, you know, I want to see Delrick Abrams. I want to see KD Nixon. I want to see Jalen Jackson. Uh, I know we'll see some of Steven Montez. I want to see Sam Noyers. And, and, and that Sam's a guy that has made great strides since the spring even. Sam's had a really good fall camp, I'm going to say, at quarterback. Uh, you know, I want to see Terrence Lang up front on the defensive line. I want to see the offensive line play. Uh, Brett Tons, I was teasing him. Brett Tons, by the way, has, has become the Iron Man of camp. Uh, they're running him with the number ones and the number twos a lot of the time. So he's, well, while the number ones are getting a break on the sidelines, uh, while the number twos are out there, Brett Tons isn't. He's not getting that break. And, and Brett's made some big strides at guard. So there's just a lot of those young guys. Nate Landman, I, I think you talked to Nate today. So uh, what are you looking for? Well, I think that, number one, I'm going to sound like Mike McIntyre, no injuries. All right, we saw the bad one with Jalen Jackson last year. I want to see that. I'd like to see just some consistency offensively, I think. 
Steven probably isn't going to play real deep in this thing because he's got the experience. I mean, Mike said after practice on Friday that guys like, uh, oh, Rick Gamboa probably going to be like a preseason game number one. A couple of series, get those guys out of there because they know what they're doing. I want to see consistency from him making the right reads when it's not totally scripted out there. And I, I think that's the number one thing. And, and then I want to see that defensive front uh, be pretty stout against the run tomorrow. Because you, you and I both talked about that. That's going to be one of the big keys this season. Yeah, that's where it has to start on defense. If they if their defensive line can play well, I've li- I like what I've seen so far in camp. They're mixing and matching a lot of guys up there. It's not going to be one, two, you know, three three guys playing the whole game. Uh, they've got some depth there, and, and so yeah, that's a place that'll be interested to see. All right, so get out there tomorrow, 10:30 roughly. As we said, that's when the scrimmage gets underway. It is a select seat event, so if you want to get your season tickets, highly recommend you do that. And uh, you can pick your seats and take care of that with the folks uh, in the ticket office. Uh, as we wrap up here, though, a couple of other quick things going on around campus. So the, the CU women's basketball team—they've got their European trip. They're taking off here in the next few days for Italy, and you know we've seen with both of the programs. That's invaluable. I mean, J.R. Payne thinks she's got a talented team right now, but that's invaluable. Get that team together. You get them away from everybody. There's bonding that goes on. We've seen that pay huge dividends with Tad's team, and I know she's hoping for the same thing with her team. Yeah, it's a, it's a you know, she's got a lot of newcomers on that team, and it's a chance for them to all get together, you know, go on a road trip together, play some games, get to know each other, get comfortable with each other, and it's, it's a, it is it's an invaluable experience for them. Looking forward to that. Also, uh, by next week, we'll be talking some volleyball and some soccer, and then uh, here in about two weeks or so, cross country actually gets rolling as well. And so all the fall sports are kicking in. But first things first, that scrimmage publicly at Folsom Field on Saturday, 9-15. It all gets underway, 10-30, the scrimmage, and get out there and select your seat. Don't forget as well, the kickoff lunch is coming up on August 24th. Go to cubuff.com to get your information and uh, tickets for that event as well as we'll get the football season underway. In fact, three weeks from today, the Buffs will take on the Rams in a Rocky Mountain Showdown. For Neil Welk at CUBuffs.com, I'm voice of the Buffs, Mark Johnson. Thanks for joining us this week on the Buffs Insider.